Welcome back to the Two Player Podcast. In the last episode, Jared and I talked about our favorite games of all time. We went on a little long, so this is the second part. If you haven't listened to that first part, make sure to go back and catch up where we start from 10. And in the second part, we go all the way to our favorite games of all time. If you are interested, stick around. (laughs) So on to number three. Number three, more high school stuff. Final Fantasy VIII. Is my favorite Final <laughs> Fantasy game. It's my third favorite game ever. Final Fantasy VIII starts off in a high school for teens who use magical powers, and then they get uh, conscripted into a military service to go fight wars for an imperialistic country. As you do. Yeah. Um. So, obviously, a whole lot going on there with the plot. The plot gets so ridiculous. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, I love the combat. It spins out so hard. It spins out so <laughs> hard. I love the combat system in 8. It was still pretty similar to um, the turn-based stuff. It's big, I guess, deviation from like 7 and then 9, which came after it, was the Guardian Force system, mm-hmm. which is how summons work. Summons are a very important part of Final Fantasy games, and they were used differently in 8, which I know a lot of people didn't like. But I thought was really cool because they're called Guardian Forces and mm-hmm. they abbreviate it to GF. And so obviously my friends and I, <laughs> when we were like 10 or whatever, we were right. like, you got to slot your girlfriend right. <laughs> um, so you make sure you're doing the most damage that you can in this fight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my friend had this when I was a kid over across the street and I would go over to his house and say I would help him do homework except I would just play Final Fantasy VIII while he did homework next to me. Um, it was a great time. I really fell in love with the music when I played it as a kid, and I really fell in love with the characters. And then, like, growing up, when I finally finished it, I think I was, like, 14 when I first finished this game, um, I really, like, grew an appreciation for all of the characters when I saw the whole story through. Squall, who is an edgy bro he's like the epitome of like an edge late 90s (laughs) edgy main character video game main character yeah which is like coming right off of um cloud Cloud. who was the epitome of edgy video game characters (laughs) um except for like squall is younger he's like way more inexperienced he wears a a leather jacket he's a goofball (laughs) who takes himself too seriously and immediately right off the bat every character makes one of him for it and i thought that was so funny and it is still so funny um, but it's basically just mm, a story about growing up and like taking yourself less seriously and finding friends and understanding that that's the important part and the things you want to hold on to in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like all I think all of that main cast and I guess I'm biased because I just love high school drama stuff. But I think the whole main cast is really just all killer, no filler. I really love everyone in FFA. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, well, it's more explicit on expanding the romance mm-hmm. in the game. It was like the centerpiece was the romance, yeah, which I loved. Which is yeah. the like kind of opposite of Seven, where mm-hmm. people still argue over what that romance is. Um, it's definitely a lot more explicit in the relationships between the characters. Yeah, Renoa and Squall, mm-hmm. like the two main characters... Yeah, it centers the romance, and 9 does the same thing. Yeah. So, And then 10 does the same thing. Wow, three in a row. Which I think 10 <laughs> is a, a lot better. You think 10 is a lot better? Um, 10 is like maybe aspect. my least favorite. Of all of them? Yeah. Have you played 3? 
No. I played everything past. I played six and up. Oh, okay. And okay. I think 10 is my least favorite. Because mm. I did Cause not. I did not jive with those characters. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I did not like the characters. I thought Renoa was, um, not Renoa. Um, what is her name? The love interest? Yes. And Yuna. Ten? Yuna. I thought Yuna was knockoff um, Eris. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, she's Walmart brand heiress. He's kind of mid. Coming from someone who likes the eight battle system, you, I'm not going to take that Oh, I love 10's <laughs> battle system. Don't get me wrong. Right. That's the best part of 10. How do you feel about 13's battle system? I like it a lot, too. I think it's so much fun. It's fast-paced. You got to keep so moving. Awful. You got to so keep moving. Awful. All right, moving on. The worst. My number three is, and I was so surprised to find that you had never played a Pokemon game. My number three is Pokemon Ruby. Which is the third generation, and this was Ruby and Sapphire, right? Ruby, Sapphire, what and were, Emerald. What was this on? Um, it was originally on the Game Boy Advance. Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald. Why is there Emerald, three? Uh, <laughs> that's a great. So Ruby, Sapphire are. I'm like, trying to understand this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me explain. Pokemon I don't to you. know. <laughs> so I know there's yeah. two. What okay. is the difference usually between two? Pokemon Between releases. two Pokemon games, the big difference is the legendaries and the enemy team occasionally. Okay. Sometimes between the two, they'll have the same enemy team. In Ruby Sapphire, they have two different enemy teams, two different legendaries. Are enemy teams like... I'll explain. <laughs> what is... Okay, no. What is the, an enemy team? So the enemy team <laughs> in um, Ruby Sapphire is the... Oh my god, now I'm No, I mean like in a gameplay yeah. sense. Okay, so in a gameplay sense. Is that like the, those are like the, you, that's like the You know villains? Team Rocket. Are they like a Team Rocket? Yes. Oh. Yeah, every game has a Team Rocket. Oh. And Team okay. Rocket is from the first game and also the anime. Got um, it. But it, every game has a Team Rocket, so the okay. enemy team will differ. In Ruby Sapphire, it's two different teams, it's two different legendaries, and like the story differs a lot. Okay. That's not huge between all of the Pokemon games is that the story will differ a lot, which is also why I like this one. But um, I like Ruby so much because it was, of every video game I've ever played in my life, um, it is the first game I ever finished by myself. Wow. So I... It what hold, did you play this on? I originally played it on my brother's Game Boy. Okay. So I got the original experience. And the thing about Pokemon that I told you the other day is that originally you could not play as a girl. You could only play as a male. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that you, I guess you wouldn't think to add um, until the third generation. Um, so you could play, finally play as a girl. Um, also, the story is told so much better than I don't love the recent Pokemon games. Mm -hmm. I honestly play them for nostalgia purposes they're like like everybody has a comfort movie pokemon is like my go-to for that is that it's predictable and i know what's gonna happen and i'm really good at pokemon battling mm -hmm. um i used to battle online i Whoa. am undefeated okay bro <laughs> so i really kind of am a pokemon pro but um the so ruby again i love so much is because i started and finished it completely by myself and it was the first game i'd ever done that for and it was just really fun exploring the world. People, uh, Pokemon, it's it's a little open world. Um, what I've always loved and what I didn't love about this most recent Pokemon game is that you couldn't go into buildings, which sounds stupid. But like when you take away the ability to walk into a building, it makes the world feel kind of flat. Yeah. So in the original Pokemon games, when you could walk into like 
every shop and even if all the shopkeepers and all the nurses and the Pokemon centers were literally the same character model, it felt nice to go into them. Um, I also felt so accomplished when like the music at Champions Road always made me feel like I really accomplished something Um, as I'm getting to the Champions Road (laughs) is like, so there are eight gems in Pokemon. Yes. Champions Road is like the thing you go to when you finish all the gems. Yes, before yeah. you go to the Elite Four. Okay. And I know what the Elite Four are. Yes. I do and know they're like the end game. Yeah. You okay. go to Champions Road. You have to get all eight gym badges to like pass through all of them. And you go to the Elite Four and then you defeat the champion mm-hmm. at the end. And then it's the end of the game. Okay. And so Champions Road always feels like you really did finish something because it's like after the story, it's um, it always has like really nice music to go with it um pokemon's music is like really underrated actually mm-hmm. it's it's very dynamic um impressively so i had to go back and listen to it because it's not something i really picked up on originally but i also used to play games uh silently <laughs> um like completely turned down um i don't know why but now that i've gone back and played it <laughs> i'm like wow yeah video games have music but um yeah it i don't know uh when you when you get something immediately for completing a task it makes it feel a lot more satisfying so when you get a badge from completing a gym and that badge leads you to go defeat all of these other things and you always get something from it i don't know it it satisfies a part in my brain that you know i just don't really think about often but pokemon ruby high up on the list if you're gonna play any pokemon game that is the one i recommend okay um that's my tangent on pokemon yeah sweet (laughs) i know i guess those are like considered to be some of the better ones i try to keep the pokemon games like sorted out in my head but it's very it's a lot the naming convention yeah is like something i cannot get a grasp on i think i only know it because i either played through them or i remember when they came out Mm. and that's really the only way i can keep track of it in my mind but i also used to know a pokemon by looking at it (laughs) so yeah and there's like so many of them i can't like there are 1008 either yeah 1008 now now. um when there were still like 790 something i knew every single one of them that's crazy (laughs) yeah it was nothing that really interested me as a kid i had Mm -hmm. the i had a 10 box filled with pokemon cards and i collected cards just because i thought the designs were cool and i thought they were cool Mm -hmm. um i had ds and i loved my ds but i never like had much of an interest in playing a Pokemon game mm-hmm. because I guess like the combat, the combat threw mm-hmm. me off immediately. And I also, love it. yeah, the combat threw me off immediately. I had no patience. And then in addition to that, I was just, I didn't understand the appeal. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so what am I doing in this world? I'm just some kid. <laughs> and like, my goal is to collect cute bugs, cute animal monsters yeah. <laughs> and like what am i doing beyond that mm-hmm. and that was kind of my question and i didn't really understand that like there was mm-hmm. i thought the plot was like you go to x amount of gyms and then you finish the game and i was like mm-hmm. i need something more there yeah that's and like I'm the un- skeleton yeah that's what i mean and i'm understanding that like each game expands upon that mm-hmm. skeleton um but i didn't really get that as a kid well but now that you're very experienced with rpgs and jrpgs yeah i think on on the surface, the battle system in Pokemon can be super simple. You can just use a water type against a grass type, and that's that. Or you could use, like, status moves and reduce their defense by 5% before you use 
another move and it i don't know it makes me feel very smart when i do math and then yeah see but then the fight's going on for even longer but it just makes me feel like a pokemon master yeah i used to have a jacket well <laughs> i think um it's coming up it's definitely like coming up at some point where i will mm-hmm. play my first pokemon game but um yeah that'll be future that'll be in the future i'm excited for you to experience it totally okay <laughs> now the big boys on to number two my second favorite video game ever made is the last of us part two mm-hmm. uh the last of us you know it's a big thing everybody's talking about it right now because there's this hbo tv show happening it's very strange. I don't. It's it's a strange TV show. It's a bizarre show. Um, as someone who likes The Last of Us a lot, I played The Last of Us when it came out in 2013. I was a 12 year old, and I loved it. I loved zombies. Um, I watched a lot of The Walking Dead growing up. Uh, the Last of Us had zombies. The Last of Us had a cool kid in it, and I was like, hey. Kids, re- kid <laughs> representation in a video game. Finally, finally. Um, and yeah, the last of us came out, and it was just knocked my socks off, and knocked the video game industry's socks off with its um, presentation. It's writing for the time. The writing was very naturalistic. It felt like I was watching a film during the cutscenes in the way that the there was actual blocking. There was direction. It wasn't focused on like a big Gears of War style set piece. It was focused on like characters talking in a room. The gameplay for the time was like very subdued. It was not trying to be a Gears of War. It was also like not trying to be an Uncharted. It was had hints of like Metal Gear Solid. It was sort of like doing stealth puzzle action stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like, even though it wasn't like perfect and was really janky, especially now. But even in 2013, um, it was just a different feeling video game to play. And I really latched onto that. But definitely the thing there was a story in the characters, which I loved. And you don't really go into The Last of Part 2 without massive expectations as a big fan of the first one. Mm-hmm. I was super uh, reluctant, reluctant going into this game. And I did not think I would enjoy it really like at all because it came out in 2020 there was a massive leak the entire game Mm -hmm. leaked online pretty much like a month before the game came out and i thankfully avoided all leaks um it's a miracle a miracle i I saw them (laughs) i had people tell me they saw them in a twitch chat they would be like watching a completely unrelated thing on twitch and there would Mm -hmm. be people spamming the last part two memes like a month before the game came out Mm -hmm. you could not avoid you couldn't you i had to stay off the internet right i had to like turn off my twitter i had to turn (laughs) off reddit notifications it was an awful terrifying month where i didn't leave my room but i played (laughs) the game immediately when it came out um and it is i won't say much about the story but uh i'd say it's a story about ellie and joel it takes place five years after the second, <laughs> uh, first game. You, you're familiar with The Last of Us. You know yes, what I it am, is, you know. Uh, so, like, five years after that, um, it's a really just, like, emotionally driven narrative that deals with very intimately going into topics of, like, trauma and how to process said trauma in a healthy way. Or sometimes a not healthy way. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> grieving a character in a way that 
the char- grieving, experiencing grief in a way that the character is also feeling that in the game. And I know like the video games community was definitely like feeling the anger that main character Ellie was feeling in that game. But um, I love the narrative. I won't talk a whole lot about it because I don't want to like talk about it without um, context, but I love it. And I think it's really excellent. And I think it's kind of like one of the best um, emotionally driven narrative experiences I've ever experienced in a media ever Mm -hmm. Uh, I know that was like the year when movies like stopped coming out and I would look at in 2013 I would look at movies coming out in 2013 and I'll look at The Last of Us and I would say like wow Last of Us literally had like a more effective (laughs) narrative than movies and now I'm looking at 2020 and wow Last of Us Part 2 blows every movie out of the water pretty much that came out that year Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of just having like an engaging narrative filled with characters that I cared about and I know a lot of other people cared about. Um, so it worked really well there. And there was like, which was the thing that like I was very worried about. Um, and the other thing I was worried about was gameplay. I love Naughty Dog games, but definitely in the past, they have not excelled at gameplay. The Uncharted games are just like one through three are not top tier. I agree. Far from top tier. Uncharted 4, Uncharted 4, which much. is like the best one, still far from top tier. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was maybe like, despite how surprising and how, um, ballsy, can I say that? (laughs) We'll find out. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like what's another, what's another word for that? Um, bold. Bold. There we go. Despite how like (laughs) bold and how many like risks the narrative in the last part two takes, I was most surprised by how much of an iteration the gameplay was from the first game to the second game. Mm-hmm. Ellie as a playable character is a much more like capable and agile killer than Joel was. You are, it is very similar to a Metal Gear Solid game, which is also <laughs> like maybe the most surprising thing about it is that you are doing a whole lot of like sneaking around, going prone um, through these massive intricate levels. Mm-hmm. These levels that are insanely detailed with like the art direction and the um density that you would expect in like a naughty dog environment but at the same time just massive combat arenas for you to be stealthing around in and getting caught and then going back into stealth in and out in this sort of like push and pull dynamic that you have against the enemy ai which is also like vastly improved and from the first game and from just a lot of video games that um have come out in the stealth genre. Um, yeah, just like the level design, the gameplay, the shooting feels really tight when you upgrade your uh, weapon sway, the iconic weapon sway that happened in the Last of Us games. Um, once you get rid of that, the shooting feels tight. It feels like a game you can get like really highly skilled at, and it's something that you would want to get better at, whereas The Last of Us is kind of so slow and clunky that it felt more like kind of a puzzle stealth game like there was one route to go around to avoid enemies and just very easily kind of abuse the ai and the last of part two it is so much more aggressive and stressful and the maps are so big and there are so many enemies in a single combat arena that you it is it pushes you to be more frantic 
which I really loved. And I found that the gameplay was a lot more dynamic, especially with the AI. Um, with enemy characters, you can there are also like infected characters and enemy or infected enemies and like human enemies in the same combat arena yeah. so that you can get them to play off of each other and you have this like kind of Far Cry style dynamic AI fighting between each other kind of mm-hmm. happening, which I really love to see in video games. It's just something that's like really satisfying to kind of like watch two different enemy AIs fighting each other. Mm-hmm. You can definitely like manipulate them in a way a whole lot more in the second game. Um, and that was the thing that like really I really latched onto was the gameplay and it was something that made me like replay it a whole bunch of times and yeah i really i have like nothing bad to say (laughs) about that game just like such a phenomenal narrative Mm -hmm. and gameplay improvements that are like some of the best stealth mechanics that are like this side of dishonored and metal gear solid 5 which i think are like some of the best ever and you definitely have the unpopular opinion yeah. On that one. I mean, hey, you know, video gamers. <laughs> uh, it was a critical I, opinion. Yeah. Something yeah. I can say about video gamers is, um, you know, hey, man, media literacy. Ooh. I don't know. Sometimes some people, they, uh, <laughs> I, there were a lot of interpretations. Not that I disagree. There are a lot of interpretations <laughs> to that narrative that yes. I heard that I thought were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, like I don't want to get into it that much because I would be here for hours talking about that. Right. But it is a game that regardless, it is a game that has a story that is like so emotionally impactful. It is something that you think about for a really long time mm-hmm. after you play it. And I feel like that is true, like regardless of your opinions about it, regardless of your opinion about The Last <laughs> of Us Part Two, everyone has. Ev- no, no, no. Like even like everyone has an opinion. Yes. Which I think is the most important thing. I would rather, and I say this a lot, just like with any Mm -hmm. media, I think a bad piece of media Mm -hmm. is like more interesting than a boring one. Mm -hmm. And I think like the worst thing for me with a video game or a movie or anything is like for it to be boring and for me to be bored. Mm -hmm. And boy, howdy, is The Last (laughs) of Part 2 not boring. With nothing about it. Yeah, like I I can't say that enough is that there are definitely things happening. There are so many, which is like something I really can't say about the first game because I think the first game really falters with like being such a product of its time and like mm-hmm. kind of having so many influences. It feels like a like amalgamation of just like popular culture trends in like the 2010s mm-hmm. it's like oh it's the walking dead it's the road it's children of men like all thrown into <laughs> a video game and the lava part two really has a singular directional vision mm-hmm. there is like a very clear artistic vision with that game that is not at all present with the first game um and a lot of that comes from like i feel like the with the gameplay enhancements like there's a Resident Evil boss in The Last of Part 2. There's like a Metal Gear like style plot twist that mm-hmm. happens in that game. Multiple plot twists that happen in that game. But it's like bizarre that the things that happen in that game happen in a massive budget budget AAA game. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and it's just weird. And for that I appreciate yeah. and for that <laughs> like I appreciate it way more than the first game because it like dares to be bizarre in so many ways 
I see what you mean. Yeah. And I certainly agree about the first one. Mm-hmm. With uh, that definitely is what put me off of the, I guess, series now as a whole is that I didn't really like the first one. I thought it was kind of boring. It was just a, a zombie game to mm-hmm. me. Um, but I see what you mean about, I guess, better to be a little polarizing than boring. Which yeah. it certainly is. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. It's a, um, it's a fun game to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah. What's your number two? My number two is very, very different. But um, my number two is Kid Icarus Uprising. Wow. On the 3DS. It was going <laughs> to be my number one. <laughs> okay. This game is, if anybody's talked to me about video games, eventually I will bring up this game. Um, it runs on the engine of Star Fox, which is what I was talking about earlier. And mm-hmm. you've never played this game, right? No. So this game was on 3DS, and no, nobody really liked it because... Is it like a light gun game? Is it like the gameplay of a Star Fox? Yes. Okay. Um, Like 50-50. Yeah. Because it has like a flying stage to it and then a ground stage oh. in every level. Um, But this game... Uh, caused hand cramps because the controls were configured so badly that they made an external part for the 3DS so you could play this game comfortably. Really? I never used it because I thought it was fine. I have big hands and I had a regular size 3DS, but I, I guess I'm not a baby. But um, I I love this game so much. It could be my number one because if someone turns this game on around me, I can. it's fully voice acted, which mm-hmm. is weird for a Nintendo game. One, two, it is a sequel to a game from 25 years before it. Um, it's the only two games technically in the series. There is one in between, but it was only released in America. So let's be real, that doesn't count. Um, but with Kid Icarus, there was the original Kid Icarus, which played technically on the same engine as Metroid. Um, and then 25 years later is Uprising, which plays on the same engine as Star Fox. So it's a very, very odd series. And it also comes back to the Greek mythology thing that mm-hmm. I really like Greek mythology because all of all of the characters are either based off somebody out of mythology or they straight up are someone in mythology. But um, this game is a game that if, again, somebody turned this on around me, I could recite it word for word, like the back of my hand. I think it's the first game I ever put 100 hours into. Hmm. And it's not very long, so I just replayed it a lot. Um, the music, is it just like a story? It is a story. It's and then is a there, full okay. story across 25 chapters, okay. something like that. And you can go back and replay the chapters as you choose once you do, but the story does like keep going straight ahead. Is it like a story focused game? Um, the story is important, but I think the gameplay is oh, bigger. Yeah. But the thing is But like more emphasis on that than like most Nintendo games? Yes. Yeah. Because as you're playing the story is happening mm. on like the bottom screen. Oh. And you're playing on the top screen okay. and they're like only like a couple of cutscenes in the game as a whole. So you're constantly playing as the characters are talking. Hmm. So it's very odd in that regard. But um, that's, I guess, what I love about it because I love really good voice acting. And for a Nintendo game that came out in 2012, it has really incredible voice acting. It's actually how I started playing Final Fantasy because one of the main characters is voiced by Allie Hillis, who voiced Lightning in hmm. 13. Oh, but cool. <laughs> it... um. I don't know. The music is amazing. Another soundtrack that I absolutely adore. But also, I just think the game is really funny and surprisingly was good with both a sense of humor and 
telling a cohesive and understandable story because the story is impressively it goes straight through there's like there's a couple of chapters some people regard as filler they're my favorite chapters I don't really think they are I think they do well to establish the characters personalities Mm -hmm. well and the characters have a lot of personality uh Troy Baker voices a couple characters in the game it's it's a star-studded cast 2012. Yeah, George Baker was in every single video oh, yeah. game in 2012. Persona 4. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Best character of Persona 4. <laughs> but um, it's, it, if not for my number one, this would be my favorite game of all time, I guess, purely based on the fact that I've played it so much that, mm-hmm. again, I can recite every word from it. I Whoa. adore it. <laughs> so if you have a 3DS, which... Who does anymore? Actually, you know what? I do. My 3DS. Do you have that game? <laughs> do you have that game physical? I do. You should. I found it. Okay. And they don't sell it anymore. I have a 2DS. Um, But I have a 3DS. <laughs> and this 3DS has stickers on the front and the back. Yeah. Like fully like a like a cover. And it's from this game. Wow. <laughs> that is how much I love this game. Cool. Um, so. That is not one. That is definitely like Kid Icarus is definitely like off my radar. As like it's the guy most that's in Smash, <laughs> yeah, the, like, that's the true. Cupid looking guy in Smash who spams arrows, guy. and he can't fly. That's like the most important part is that he has wings, but he can't technically fly. Oh, oh, like in <laughs> in the story of the game, he can only fly for five minutes at a time, or else his <laughs> wings will burn up and he'll die. Oh, Icarus! Icarus! Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. I'm understanding now. Yeah. Well, cool. It's my favorite game. I love it. Well, technically not my favorite game because it's number two, but it was like a reluctant number two. I love it. That is something I have no experience with, so cool to hear it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. You're welcome. (laughs) My favorite game ever made is Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, um, which I kind of gave away a bit when I was talking about The Last of Part 2. That you did. A lot of my (laughs) love for The Last of Part 2 is because that is a perfect combination of like Resident Evil and Metal Gear Solid. I didn't have like space. All of my honorable mentions are like survival horror games because I love <laughs> horror. Um, and I think, but The Last of Us just takes a spot for all of that stuff. But Metal Gear Solid 2 um, was another game that my friend had over at his house on his PlayStation 2. Um, and I went over there and would play that a whole lot. Um, two which is usually not a lot of people's favorite. I think I hear three a lot. Three is the one Mm -hmm. that takes place in, it's like a backstory, and it's like Vietnam War era, Cold War era spy antics. Metal Gear Solid 1 is the original, the classic. It is a gorgeous looking game. If you've seen it, like the PlayStation 1 graphics. I have seen it, and that's my only exposure to Metal Gear. Yeah. It's so, like, I know a lot of, like, older people love Metal Gear Solid 1 as their Mm -hmm. favorite just because it is, like, a clean classic story that just like looks incredible and still plays incredible today. Metal Gear Solid 2 is incredibly bizarre. It um when it came out originally in 2001 on the PS2, it's did a mean little nasty trick, which is I guess something I love when video games do cuz Last of Us Part 2 also does this in that like the game was marketed as you're playing a snake you're playing a solid snake, the world's best soldier, and you're doing sneaking stuff in the continuing saga of Solid Snake and Metal Gear Solid 2. Except Solid Snake supposedly dies like 
an hour into Metal Gear Solid 2, and then you play the entire rest of the game as a new character, Raiden. Incredible. <laughs> and Raiden is on purpose, intentionally, like, such a goofball. Uh-huh. In, in, like, the opening area of the game, you're on this tanker out in the ocean for the whole game, and you can slip on bird poop in the immediate, like, first... Oh. 30 seconds you get control of Raiden he's just a dork he's someone that like you are not supposed to like you like make fun of him immediately he's such a weirdo and in throughout the game he is like very much obviously like not on the same page as like all of these other cool characters that you're coming across um as it's, it's hilarious the writing in the game is so funny because you're playing as a clueless main character in a video game mm-hmm. and that is so unique and so funny and I think, like, the story of just that being kept hidden until the game was came out. It kept hidden, and, like, even reviewers at the time, like, did not know how to talk about this game because mm-hmm. they couldn't talk about anything beyond, like, the first hour right. where you're stopped playing as Solid Snake. Um, but beyond that, um, I love stealth, obviously, in video games. I love stealth games. I love the Metal Gear Solid kind of gameplay loop. There are so many iterations and innovations that were brought forward onto the next generation of hardware with the PlayStation 2. There are so many more like enemy interactions. You can do an interrogation to um, get more information on an area. You can like stick a character up by like holding your gun up to them. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) no, but I mean like, yeah, you can do like a, you can like stick a character up. You can like take their dog tags and dog tags were like unique to every single enemy in the game and they were just like a collectible that you would get. Yeah. Um, there are so many like stealthing options. The tanker is just like a really cool environment to go around while you're um, uncovering more about this diabolical terrorist plot that's going on. Um, and the game gets very like um, in the way that Kojima does. The game gets very um, abstract and kind of uh, fourth wall breaky near the mm-hmm. end. The famous line is that like the game what's I did know going into it, which sucks because it's such a cool moment. But like near the end of the game, the uh, commander that you're talking to and getting orders from the whole game is revealed to be like an AI. And he tells you to turn the game oh. console off right now. You might have seen that. I think so. Yeah. 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 Right. And turn the game console off right now. Yes. What an incredible <laughs> moment. I think of just like in a video game, the game like recognizing the game seemingly like becoming aware of what you're doing mm-hmm. and all of these um, characters like turning on you in the like final acts of the game Mm -hmm. and beyond that um in addition to like just like having crazy weird kojima stuff a fun story to go through with really cool characters and like hilarious and weird and bizarre writing between Mm -hmm. the characters um turned out to be like a very like prophetic game the game is about like the control of information in the digital age Mm -hmm. and how this shadowy organization that has been controlling the world since like the seventies is losing its grasp on the world because information is going onto the internet and being disseminated out to the public at like such a massive pace that no one is able to control the inter the information that is like being brought out to people. And this was a game made in 2001 and it was like kind of prophetic. Yeah. Prophetic. Absolutely. (laughs) No, it was dealing a lot with the, spread of misinformation onto the general public um, is like something they talk about discreetly or like immediately in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and along with um, Kojima loves to play around with like the idea of violence um, in video games and how that is kind of impressed upon video gamers in uh, the Metal Gear Solid series. They use like VR training yeah. and video game training to like test their soldiers out and also um, kind of numb their senses to mm-hmm. killing other humans. Um, and yeah. That's he's super self-aware. It is super self-aware. <laughs> Kojima's like a crazy dude, and I'm so glad. Oh, he's, he is. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so glad he makes video games because they're so funny, um, and like insightful in the end. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, like Metal Gear Solid Two is just like a very fun video game to play. It is something that is like kind of a comfort game, and that you can go into it and just do some VR missions if you just want to play the game. If you want to go through the game. I go through it a whole lot just to listen to the codec calls. You have mm-hmm. someone like calling on your little codec device and you can listen to a weird conversation about like an eighties movie that I've never heard of before. <laughs> and they, um, and they would be talking about an eighties movie for like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. There's a conversation where they talk about, um, fashion industry, uh, trends, Otacon, who was like your, kind of uh one of your guys mm-hmm. your information boy who's calling you on the phone a lot who you call to save um i remember like a conversation where he that like made me laugh a lot where they're talking about jeans with snake and snake is saying that like oh people love these this ripped jean trend that's <laughs> happening and he's like no snake actually it's all about being authentic and being real mm-hmm. and he's talking about these big industries used uh, the like fake ripped jeans and they didn't sell well because they weren't authentic and he goes <laughs> off on this rant about like jeans being authentic in the stealth mm-hmm. video game for like three minutes and it's hilarious and I just love that mm-hmm. there's like so many weird tangents um, all of the villains and bosses which are like unique to um, a lot of the Metal Gear games are like an iconic part of the games the bosses mm-hmm. um, I love the lineup in Metal Gear Solid 2 and I think they're all like knock it out of the park there's a vampire in Metal Gear Solid 2. Did you know that? No. Yeah, there's a vampire in Metal Gear Solid 2. Like, straight up. Crazy. Like, it explains it later mm. in the... It explains <laughs> it later in the series, but, like, the explanation is lame. And the fact that there's I just know. a vampire yeah. is so much cooler. There's right. also a character called Fortune who is just incredibly lucky and so that she doesn't get shot so that, like, all bullets that go towards her just fly around around her it looks incredible <laughs> and it looks so good on the playstation 2 mm-hmm. graphics ridiculous next generation um and she's just so lucky that she uses an experimental um rail gun as her mm-hmm. weapon and they have a conversation about it and they're like isn't that thing like barely tested doesn't it like malfunction every five uses and they're like yeah but she's just so lucky that it never <laughs> malfunctions <laughs> And I'm like, that's hilarious. I love that. I, lo- I love just explaining things away. Like, it doesn't really, don't yeah. look at that. <laughs> Who cares? Which it is, no. Uh, yeah. And then I feel like, because like those things are just like funny and there's this weird kind of like magical realism that exists in the Metal Gear Solid universe, mm-hmm. which is something that like I'm really drawn to. And I think it's like, it adds a lot of character to the world and the setting. Um, which is like explained in later games, but I kind of like just having some magical realism. Just like yeah. in this world, <laughs> there's weird stuff happening, and there's that's vampires, the and there's lady, <laughs> the embodiment of Lady Luck here, and that's just how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Metal Gear Solid Two, 
such a great video game such a great stealth game um such a mind bender back in the day i can't imagine like being there in 2001 i don't know if i would have like loved it <laughs> or if i would have yeah. been like one of those people who hated it because it wasn't what i expected mm-hmm. but i mean i think it like instilled a lot of love for bizarre stuff and mm-hmm. media that really tries to go out on a limb and do something different yeah and really inform just like my taste and video games and everything really sometimes charisma is more important than um realistic uh meaning behind mm-hmm. things and yeah. if the game is funny and cute and i had a good time then it's a great game to me <laughs> yeah no, that's not the explanation i was expecting of the game at all from yeah. someone who knows nothing about it <laughs> yeah um i mean yeah all the metal gear solid i love all of them it's hard to like pick a favorite mm-hmm. but just to hit man <laughs> and it does just weird stuff that none of the other games do mm-hmm. that i really appreciate it for but yeah for sure that's was my favorite not expecting that at all my favorite game of all time is fire emblem awakening which one is Awakening? Awakening is... 3DS? Prom. 3DS. Prom? Lucina. No. Really? The two I, main characters? Those are the main Wait, characters? You are they in... named, like, that you only knew Kid Icarus as the guy from uh, Smash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing with Fire Emblem. I only yeah. know Fire Emblem characters as <laughs> the sword people in Smash Brothers. And I love swords. Yeah. Um, if anything, because I just love straight-up fantasy. Um. And Fire Emblem Awakening is, it was supposed to be the final Fire Emblem game. Um, the last one that they made because the series wasn't selling well, because let's be real. Like, have you played a Fire Emblem game before? Mm-hmm. And would you ev- would it even be on your radar if not for a bunch of the sports people in Smash? It would have been, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely at that point. When did you, when did you play Awakening? Um, in 2013, so a year okay. after it came out. Yeah, definitely like not at that point. Right. Yeah. So it was meant to be the last Fire Emblem game. Um, they made this whole big deal of like creating the main theme of Fire Emblem to like sound final. It was like in the end of the game, they like killed all the dragons or whatever. They connected it back to the very first game, which would be like Marth who is, like, the first Fire Emblem protagonist. I know Marth. Yeah, they connected yeah. it back to that. They're, like, the descendants of Marth, which is why they all have blue hair. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they're all technically related, basically. And it it was because it was meant to be the last Fire Emblem game because it just didn't sell um, the series at all. And then Awakening came out, and it was, like, the best-selling game of that year in Japan. So they, you know, continued the series, which... I kind of don't think they had to because I don't like any of the games that came out after except people, for one. People love Three Houses. People love Three if Houses. If I'm going to play a Fire Emblem game, I'm, don't playing, play that one. I'm playing Three Houses. It, it's absolutely going to be It does three not houses. embody to me what Fire Emblem used to be. Yeah. Fire Emblem is like a turn-based combat game. You move your enemies basically on like a chessboard and you kind of think about it in like the Pokemon way of the rock, paper, scissors kind of thing where swords beats lances and lances beats bows, bow beats swords. Mm-hmm. And kind of in that way. And then there's also like magic like lightning and fire and things like that but and there's also dragons and i don't know i just love when people turn into dragons i think that's really cool but um it three houses kind of has this problem where it focuses a lot more on fan service (laughs) and how the game looks rather than how the game plays and how the story is told and in awakening it feels like 
they knew what they were doing from beginning to end. They knew what they wanted to do with the story. Um, they didn't, it isn't like this big grand adventure. All Fire Emblem games are kind of, you start off with your little party of four and everybody has their basic little sword. You have a healer and you have a magic person. And then on the way, like you make friends as you go and you kind of pick them up like that. And Three Houses really lost that in that you kind of start out with your entire party at the beginning of the game. And it focuses a lot more on character interactions rather than telling a good story. People still argue about the story of Three Houses because it they made it a little too grand. They got too big for their britches. Mm. But in Awakening, it's very simple, straight to the point. You wake up as you do in a protagonist in a video game. You have amnesia. Yeah. You don't know who you are, um, and that's an excuse to put your name in. <laughs> you don't know where you are, and that's an excuse to teach you how to play the game. And as you go on, you know, you don't really pick up your memories until closer to the end of the game, but everything kind of connects back to the original Fire Emblem game. Um, everything kind of connects to one another and the story is told. It's very simple to the end, but it's just very to the point. And it's just, I think a problem with video games today is that sometimes they try to be a little too grand. Um, they try to put a little too much in there. Everything has to be a million branching paths Everything has to be um, like a multi two hundred million dollar big budget video exactly. game. Exactly, it has to be a thousand hours to yeah. be the best game ever. But I just think that the simplicity and Awakening is not short by any stretch. It's not a short game at all. But it's you can go on your little branching paths, but in the end, it's they're very short paths, and they come back to the main story of the game, and you don't feel like you wasted any time. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you did that just to get the achievement of collecting something which i mean it's also a nintendo game there aren't exactly like achievements in nintendo games such as like when you play on a playstation you have like your list of achievements to like platinum the game you could you don't really do that in a nintendo game and so it just feels a lot more grounded than anything before and like i've said i think about all the games on my list is that i think the soundtrack is incredible um i think the art is incredible i think the voice acting is amazing and the characters while the game is very serious because spoiler alert your main character dies in the end mm-hmm. um you you get these interactions with characters and sometimes they're a little bit dumb and sometimes the characters are a little stupid and you don't like all the characters i certainly don't but they at least feel like they all have a purpose instead of being there to be like a dating option, <laughs> mm. which is both, I guess, why I love Awakening so much, why it's my favorite game of all time, but also why I don't like Three Houses at all. So if you're going to play any Fire Emblem game, don't play that one. <laughs> but it's on the Switch, and everybody loves it. It is on the it. Switch, but there are several games on the 2DS that you can play. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, they are so much better. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of experience with um, any Fire Emblem, really, in any of the... Um, kind of more tactics based RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um Fire Emblem. I don't know. Yeah, like I definitely want to play a Fire Emblem game at some point. I'm playing through Valkyria Chronicles right now. Right. Um which is like anime World War Two XCOM. Um and I'm loving that a whole lot. And then I'm thinking I'm going to play Final Fantasy Tactics after that. 
Hmm. Did you ever play that? No, I didn't, but I've heard great things about exactly, it. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to play like a tactics RPG, I feel like I should play that mm-hmm. one. And then after that, I'll see what's going on over there in Final Fire Emblem land. You definitely should. Yeah. Especially if, yeah, if you're going to go for any tactics game, Fire Emblem is like the pinnacle of, don't play anyone's older than Awakening because before Awakening, they had permadeath. If your character died on the battlefield, you never got them Oh, back. I want that. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, okay. you play that, would you play with that off? No, I play with it on. Oh, I was going to uh, say, yeah. I'm like, that's I'm awesome. I love that. But I love that idea it's, about it's it. It's a little bit sad because they never come back in the story either. That's how it goes. Um, which is also something I don't like about the games that came after Awakening mm-hmm. is that it's automatically off. In Awakening, it's either one or the other. For the other ones, it's like you get these options of, oh, if they die on the battlefield, they'll come back at the next turn. Like, no. If you can't play the game, just don't play the game. Yeah, I know. I love that that sense of permanence and that like... Um, right. Yeah. It makes you think critically about your next... Mo- it's like playing chess. And honestly, before playing Fire Emblem, I wasn't very good at chess. Now I'm pretty decent. Wow. Um, I'm pretty strong. Play Fire Emblem to get better at chess. Exactly. That's okay. what I say. Interesting. So yeah, that is my number one game. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well... We've gone through a crazy list of games here. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very different. A, Only one different. overlapping. Persona 5? One overlapping well, we counted two. Yeah, we also had Super Giant and we also had Resident, not Resident Evil. We had um, Final Fantasy games on there. Oh, we did. So, like, there's did. some overlap there. Yeah. There we is. seem to both be big fans of JRPGs, Japanese yes. role playing games. Yeah. And um, soundtracks. And soundtracks <laughs> and music and video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we work at a radio station, so. That's to be expected. Mm. <laughs> but I think. Cool. More well, alike than unalike. Yeah. Some stuff that I was surprised about, some stuff I wasn't that I already knew mm. <laughs> about you. But um, some stuff that I was surprised. What was the most surprising? Metal Gear 2. Really? <laughs> the description you gave me is just not what I thought the game was. What is like your perception of Metal Gear Solid? I don't know. Like <laughs> dark and serious. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's Could called be. Metal Gear. <laughs> it's called Metal Gear Solid Tactical Espionage Action is like the the subtitle above it for the okay, first one, I didn't know which that. I love that. <laughs> it's such like a weird, dumb little terminology yeah. to give to a stealth game because it like invented like stealth right. video games. So like that was just like the descriptor that it gave it. And okay, I love that. That, was that is like understanding like if you can understand like how weird and silly that sounds that's kind Mm -hmm. of like the tone of a metal gear solid game yeah no you just definitely yeah no i I had no clue yeah wow (laughs) well uh i learned something what was most surprising for me unsurprising Mm. (laughs) it might be no, I won't say Fire Emblem because I knew you liked Fire Emblem, mm-hmm. and I knew Feel you very liked about the maybe <laughs> maybe it's the um, maybe it's Dangarampa. Mm, okay, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, that one is surprising. It was a close ten. <laughs> okay, I know I know you liked visual novels. I don't know if we mm-hmm. talked about Dangarampa or not, but mm-hmm. that seems like because I don't know a whole lot about that one, and right, I guess my right. perception of it is like pretty on the nose, but. I don't know. That just seems like uh, those uh, those visual novels are just like a commitment. <laughs> they are. And yeah. they're so long. And there's like no voice acting except for one part of the game. So hmm. it's, it can be a slog. I don't see how you would play through it twice. But definitely a great game. Cool. 
Well, those are our 10. I think we've talked more than enough. We have. Yeah. Not surprised. It's been... (laughs) It's been an amount of time. So... Just check the clock. Check the clock. (laughs) If you're hearing this... It is currently. I'm so glad that p.m. you enjoyed us um, talking about our games, mm-hmm. our fave games ever. Um, these are the games that uh, made us our gaming futures. Yeah, shaped <laughs> our shaped our gaming knowledge, shaped our perception of mm-hmm. um, what we are into when it comes to video games, and I feel like just as people. Yeah. I don't know. At least for me, a lot of it, a lot of yours made sense for yeah. you. I wasn't like too surprised by it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely shaped uh, our interest and also just as a person. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Well, Solid this first is. Episode. Yeah, that was the first episode. This is two player um, mm-hmm. podcast on KTSW. We are here talking about video games. Mm-hmm. Um, coming up, we will be playing some video games and then talking about that. We're going to be talking mm-hmm. about. Metroid Prime at some yes, point in the future. Soon. Yeah. <laughs> I have in my possession Metroid Prime Remastered. And Ooh. I'll be playing through some of that. And the then, package has been delivered. Yeah, the package has been delivered. <laughs> and then we'll be playing through some of that. And mm-hmm. um, I want to hear your thoughts on it. I'm a massive fan of Metroid Prime. It was very close, almost mm-hmm. in my top 10. Um, and I've never touched a Metroid game. Yeah. And so I think <laughs> uh us having a conversation about Metroid Prime will be very interesting mm-hmm. to see how it aged and yeah. how well, not so well. And how we're your find perce- out. how much your perception was built around your age, uh your point in life and yeah. just I don't know, your mature taste now. <laughs> totally. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah. All right. But for now, we're going to sign off mm-hmm. and bid you adieu adieu for now this has been two player i'm jared i'm christina yeah and we've had a wonderful time talking about video games here today always a great time all right (laughs) did you get that bye the two player podcast is a production of ktsw 89.9 the show is hosted by christina sims and me jared dudley the show is produced by victor guevara with help from elizabeth may Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.